0: Welcome to The Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today I'm talking with Matt Merker about corporate worship. Matt currently serves as director of creative resources and training for Getty Music, and he also writes and composes Christ-centered hymns for the church. Matt's hymns like, He Will Hold Me Fast, Psalm 130, and Christ Our Hope in Life and Death have been recorded by artists including Keith and Kristen Getty, Sandra McCracken, Shane and Shane, among many others. And he's also written a book titled Corporate Worship. To find out more about Matt, you can check out his website at mattmurkermusic.com and follow him on Twitter at MerkerMatt. For many, worship is seen as a special moment between me and God. And while it isn't wrong, it's not the whole story. I hope this conversation helps you to better understand what corporate worship is and why God has called us together to worship Him. All right, Matt, well, thank you so much for being with me today. It's a joy to have you on the podcast and I'm looking forward to this conversation about worship. Thanks, Tyler. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother, tell us how you came to know the Lord. God was very kind to save me, I think at a young age, My
1: parents taught me the gospel, that we are all accountable to the God who has made us, um, that the only way to be right with God is through faith and repentance, uh, trusting in the finished work of Christ, that He lived the perfect life uh, that we have never lived, and He died on the cross as a substitute for sinners and rose again to conquer sin and death, and whoever turns to Him in faith is forgiven and given eternal life, and that made sense to me by God's grace mm-hmm. at a young age. I, I yeah. attended a church where the where the Bible was taught, and uh, I have had lots of uh, lessons to learn along the way, and the Lord has been patient with me <laughs> and yeah. it brought me to
0: grow. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> okay, brother. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Okay, so to begin our conversation about worship, and this conversation really is centered around your book, Corporate Worship, I do want to ask, what is worship? How How is it defined? I think that's an essential starting point for any conversation like this.
1: Worship is the life of faith and giving glory to God that all people are called to because we're made in God's image. And he's made us to reflect his goodness and to honor him and to find our delight and satisfaction mm. in him. And in fact, uh, worship is what all of creation, in a sense, gives to God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, because he is the creator of all things, worship is what the angels give God, but particularly as those made in God's image, uh, Paul says in Romans twelve: because God has saved us in view of His mercies, we are to offer our whole bodies, our lives, as a living mm-hmm. sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, worship is seeking to glorify God and honor Him, and obey Him, and serve Him in every aspect of life. Yeah, Amen. That's so that that's worship broadly speaking. It, there's so many terms in the Bible, in, in Hebrew or in Greek, yeah. that get translated into this concept of worship. Bow mm-hmm. down, serve, yep. kneel before, exalt, magnify. Uh, but in English, the, the word comes from the idea of, of worth-ship, mm-hmm. showing that God is worthy through our words, through our thoughts, through our deeds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so who is worship for? I mean, we have a lot of worship being of God. So is worship for God or is it for the worshiper? So who is the beneficiary of worship?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, particularly when we think about gathered worship, uh, when the church meets on the Lord's Day, the thing is all of life is worship. Mm-hmm. And that's that's to be given to God. He is the object of our worship. That's he, right. He is the recipient of our praise, whether that's... Uh, repairing your car to the glory of God, (laughs) taking Mm -hmm. care of your kids to the glory of God, working your job to the glory of God, sleeping to the glory of God, all all of life. However, in the new Testament, we see verses like when you come together as a church, when you are gathered as a church. And so God gathers us as his people to offer him praise and to build one another up. And so that's, that's the special type of worship that I'm particularly talking about in in, in this Mm -hmm. book. And one of the things I say in the book is when we think theologically, of course, God is the main recipient of our worship, but God is the one who makes it possible for us to worship him. Yeah, Philippians 2, it is God who works and wills in you for his good pleasure. And so when we worship God, it is also edifying to us because we're hearing truths about God in the songs and we're being reminded of his faithfulness in the prayers and We're being reminded of the good news of Jesus and the preaching and the Lord's Supper is participation with Christ and with one another in fellowship together, being reminded of his death and look in anticipation of his return. Mm -hmm. So much more I could say. And so in a sense, worship is also for us. It's really for God. But it's also a gift of God for us because it is so nourishing. It is so comforting. It is so helpful to us as pilgrims who are in need of God's sustaining grace to gather to worship him. So that's that's kind of the genius of worship as God has designed it. It's for his glory, but it's also for our good.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, and too, I mean, every major scenario, I mean, you think of like an Isaiah six or in the book of Revelation when you're around the throne and you get this beautiful picture of not only God being worshiped, but but you see the worship, right? You yes. you see the worship happening. And as you're saying, as, as we gather, that's a part of what we do. We see one another worship. And so here's, here's a question that stems from that. Is gathering together a crucial part of worship or is it fine, for instance, to to worship God on our own as we spend time in his creation. I mean, that's one of the things I heard, the the woods, they are my church. So is gathering crucial to our worship? Yes, it is.
1: Now, should you also glorify God by spending time in nature or woodworking or making music or enjoying friendships? Sure. But what mm-hmm. we're talking about is corporate worship yeah and Hebrews 10 is very clear about this. it says, do not forsake meeting together uh, and encouraging one another all the more as the day is approaching. He, and he says, some have given up meeting
2: together. yeah and the yeah. whole
1: book of Hebrews is saying, don't fall away from Christ. keep clinging to Christ. And one of the mm-hmm. ways that we keep on clinging to Christ is by gathering to be reminded of those things. So if someone says, well, I don't really need to go to church for gathered worship, because I can get just as much encouragement from reading my Bible by a lake. What I want to say to that person is, well, that might be true Mm. in one sense. I'll grant your premise for a moment. But did you realize there's other people at that church that need to be encouraged by you?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: They're not going to receive that uplift and that encouragement unless you turn up. Yep. And actually, when you turn up, you'll realize that you need them to encourage you as well. That the kind of... uh, Spiritual teaching and nourishment for your soul, and biblical friendship and affection you experience in the worship gathering can't be replicated mm. by you reading your Bible by a lake or yep. going to quote unquote online church. Right, it's a similar right. sort of thing. Paul says, "Greet one another with a holy kiss." Yep, you can't do that online. You can't yep. do that. Yep, if you're alone, he says. Singing, addressing one another in psalms and spiritual songs, Uh, we need to be physically present to do these sorts of things. To take the Lord's Supper, for example. So yes, gathering is essential. And here's the thing: it it shouldn't just be a duty. It is a duty, but it should be a delight.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's really helpful because even you know, thinking about that Hebrews chapter ten, we're not saying that you can't worship the Lord outside of the church. What we are saying though is that you are giving up, you are forsaking. A way in which you are called to worship the Lord. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really helpful and I think extremely important. And especially too, as you bring in like the online, uh, you know, obviously most of us, we, we, we think, wow, online, air quotes, church was really helpful when we were unable to gather. Sure. But it was very lacking. I think in most of us, it built a desire to be back together as soon as possible. And why is that? Because we understand that there's something about gathering together and worshiping the Lord that is absolutely necessary in the life of a believer.
1: Yeah, it's it's what we've been created for. We mm-hmm. we've been designed for community to be part of God's family. Yeah. Many of the biblical commands in the New Testament we can't obey on our own. And this is the fruit of the Spirit, you can't demonstrate it on your own on a desert island and <laughs> right, in the way yeah. you you know, when you have to patience, gentleness, self-control, yep. you need to be around other people. And the yeah. main primary context for that is the local church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think
1: we want to say, you know, technology can be a, a, a wonderful tool. Mm-hmm. And in those incredibly abnormal times when a church is pre- prevented from being able to meet, let's say a global pandemic uh I think it's <laughs> yeah. it's legitimate to use technology to to try to teach people and encourage them. You can teach the Bible over Zoom. Yeah, right. You can evangelize right. over Zoom. Let's use it. Let let's use that to get the gospel out just as mm-hmm. as Christians have done now for generations with radio or TV. But it's not church. Ecclesia, right. the Greek word for church means an assembly. It means yep. a gathering.
2: Yep. And
1: Jesus is very clear in Matthew 18 there's certain business he calls the church to do as as or uh authorized representatives of the kingdom of heaven that they've got to gather to do. ah, Gathering is not just a thing for Hebrews or for Paul. Jesus taught about this. And he's just reflecting what we see in the Old Testament, that God gathered his people regularly to hear his word read and taught.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Okay. So how do we know what worship is and is not supposed to be like and look like? So you could go to a hundred different churches, and technically find a hundred different styles of worship. So how do we know what is right? The basic answer
1: is by going to the Bible Mm. to find find the substance of our worship. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll unpack that. Of course, as believers, we're people of the book. Scripture is our final authority. Scripture is sufficient. 2 Timothy 3, Paul tells Timothy that Scripture has all that the man of God needs to be equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. I think corporate worship is one of the foremost works to which God calls us to in in, in our life of, of trusting in him. And so when it comes to the main substance of what we're called to do when we gather, God's word hasn't left us in the dark. It's not like we're approaching a whiteboard that's blank. What do you want to do this Sunday? <laughs> right. Tyler, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And that that because then that just leaves you know, us up to our own ideas. Tradition. Yep. Should we just do what the church has always done? Innovation. Let's do something new. Uh outreach. Outreach isn't a bad thing. Let's let's try to figure out what will reach people. There, there uh-huh. could be good motives in, in, in many of those ideas, but actually, when we approach that whiteboard, God has written on it in permanent marker the main things He calls us to do. And yeah. and this is something that the Protestant reformers really had to wrestle with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because when they broke away from the church at Rome they were being accused of being the rebels That's your, right. your, you your churches aren't legitimate and they said well as we look at scripture here are the things that we see God calling us to do he's calling us to preach the word he's calling us to pray the word he's calling us to read the word 1 Timothy 4:12 devote yourself to the public reading of scripture mm-hmm. He's calling us to sing the word, and he's calling us to see the word depicted and summarized in baptism and the Lord's Mm -hmm. Supper, these symbols that God has given us of the work of Christ. And they said, if we're doing those things, we are a legitimate church. If we're we're teaching the the gospel as the Bible defines it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think it's just so helpful to have a distinction between substance and style, because those things are the substance. The style is going to vary from culture to culture, from generation to generation. The way we do those things: mm-hmm. do we sing in the major or minor key? Do we use instruments or not? Do we meet at ten o'clock or eleven o'clock? That's not to say that certain answers to those questions are are not better or or worse than others. Right? They right, are. Right. We we want to have biblical wisdom mm-hmm. as we approach those things, but that's those are prudential decisions that churches have to make. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. I grew up in a really small town and most church looked the same. No matter where you went, it was kind of the same model. You did the same things. Everyone was singing the same hymns. And to this day, I think most of those churches are probably still doing that same thing. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong or sinful about it, but it is really important to kind of think, okay, well, what, like you're saying, is the substance? What are the musts? And then what are the things that we have flexibility or freedom to do You know, as it doesn't hinder our worship or point us us into the wrong direction. And so I, I do think that that's really helpful. And I think that churches probably would do well to think through those things intentionally, at least probably like once a year, like what are the things that we're doing that are or are not beneficial and, and just kind of be open to assessing yourself. I think that's really helpful and really healthy.
1: Actually, I think it's quite freeing mm. and liberating because if you're a pastor or if you serve in, in music or you, you're involved putting the, the services together in your church in some way, all you need to do is go online and you'll see a thousand ideas. Here's what you need to do oh, to make yeah. your church service better. Here's yeah. how to have a, a, a service with impact. And so, oh, do I need to have skits? Do I need to have this? Do I need to get a bigger sound system? You know, again, you know, the, the size of your sound system, that's a wisdom question. <laughs> right. I there's no chapter or verse. Telling you. But the the liberating thing is God has t- has told us in his word, what we're to do when we gather, the main, again, these main, they're sometimes called the elements of work.
0: The elements, right.
1: And so when God's spirit works through these normal means that he has given us, the preaching of the word, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the Lord's Supper, we can trust that God's spirit will accomplish his good purposes. We don't need to add to the work of the spirit by finding some sort of supplement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. The, it, and, and, and that's scary because as human beings, we want to take matters into our own hands. We want to reverse engineer something that works, quote unquote. But it's the spirit's work. He is yeah. sovereign. God, God is going to get his glory. And amazingly, he confounds the wisdom of men and he says, Honor these simple means of grace that I've given you. Yeah. P- pray, teach people the Bible, share the gospel, take an offering. Sing, baptize, preach, and it it's it's not going to be explosive, it's not going to be immediate usually mm-hmm. God, God God can do whatever he wants. Usually, the growth is gradual, but the church matures in yep. unity, in holiness. People hear the good news about Christ and are saved, and their lives yeah. are transformed, yeah, families are grown, young people come to know christ. All of a sudden, the church is a wonderful witness in the neighborhood mm-hmm. simply because God's word has gone to work.
0: Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's talk about the music that we sing. So we've already laid the foundation that worship is not just a time of of instruments and singing. Worship is all of life, really. So I do want to, though, kind of harness it into to the songs that we sing. Are they important or can we just sing whatever sounds good, whatever makes us feel good, and and whatever points us to Jesus? Is Is song selection really something that's important that we need to be worried about?
1: Oh, I, I think you've set it up with your question there. I, I don't think I could answer that anyway by yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it's important. And you're exactly right. Gathered worship is the whole thing. The preaching is mm. worship. The prayer is worship. But when it comes to worship through song, songs form us. Mm. I mean, here's the thing. Songs get in your mind. You can't let them go. Anyone out there listening who has kids, you know, the, the songs you listen to in the car with your kids, they start singing all the time. And and, and actually, a, a parent knows this intuitively because you start to think to yourself, okay, my daughter who's six-year-old is going around singing, let it go, <laughs> let it go. Um, you know, amazing melody, but maybe I want her to learn some other songs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe I don't want her to only sing that song. Maybe Maybe I want her singing... What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Maybe I want her to to learn to sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Because the thing is, she's going to remember those songs. Yeah. And my prayer for her, again, I have to leave this to the Lord, Mm. but my prayer for her is that when she's 15 years old or 25 years old, she'll remember that God is holy, holy, holy. Nothing can wash away our sins but the blood of Jesus. And so if that's true in parenting, that's that's true in the local church as well. Songs teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why Paul says in Colossians 3.16 that we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So actually, when you open your mouth in song in church— it's like God's seminary is in session. We're all simultaneously the students and the professors. That's right. We're learning these truths about God. That doesn't mean every song we sing needs to be long or dense or have old-fashioned poetry. Sometimes it can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, can that, we can sing short and simple songs and long and dense songs. I think a balanced diet is good, but we want to sing the sorts of sturdy biblical truths right. that help form and cultivate deep believers over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well said. Okay. So when we think about ordering our worship service, is it important to have an order when we gather or should we just kind of roll with it? Because it's one thing to have a particular style. Let's just say we all have the the right elements, the right substance, and we differ in style. But when it comes to putting all of these things together to form a service, should we have some sort of order or are we free to just kind of roll with it and hope things land where they land? Or as some would say, we just kind of let the spirit lead. Yeah,
1: that's a a great question. This is something I think that falls not exactly into the realm of should or biblical law, uh, but very much wise Mm. and advisable. And actually, in the key junctures of scripture, like the covenant renewal ceremonies of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. or when, when God comes and inhabits the temple, there is a, a bit of an order. I think it's implicit. I, I think it's suggestive. But it tends to begin with God speaking to the people and addressing yeah. them. Then tends to come the people um, humbling themselves and acknowledging their sin or offering sacrifices. Then usually moves to some sort of expression of thanks to God for his love endures forever, for his grace and his kindness. Mm-hmm. Then usually God instructs them in some way, and then usually they they commit to following God. Now, there's variation in the order. It's not exactly the same. Some sure. people see a, a, a structure like that in Isaiah 6, which you mentioned earlier. Some people see that sort of structure in, in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But the important thing I think here to recognize is, kind of like we were talking about with songs. The story that a service tells will ingrain habits in people over time. That's right. Uh, the way my, my friend Keith Getty puts it, which I think is helpful, is the shape of the service shapes our lives. Yeah. If every week you begin with God calling us to worship mm-hmm. through a scripture reading, well, that reminds us that God is the one who's in charge of our lives. Worship yeah. is his yeah. idea. Yeah. If every week... After we praise God and consider his perfect holy character, we also confess our sin, whether in prayer or in song or in both. That just reinforces that we're sinners in need of a savior. Mm-hmm. And if every week after that confession of sin, there's some reminder through a scripture reading, through a, a, a word of exhortation, through a song, that Jesus is that savior. That just helps form our hearts in gratitude yeah. for the salvation yeah. Christ has given. So no, there's no mandated order of service that you've got to follow exactly so. But it's interesting when you look at history, how many uh, orders of service are similar. Because it's, mm-hmm. this just seems to be wisdom that's been passed on from generation to generation. And if you're interested in this whole topic, which is often called liturgy, liturgy mm-hmm. the sort of order and shape of God's work that he does publicly in and through us in the service, uh, there's a great book called Reformed Worship or Reformation Worship,
2: mm-hmm.
1: edited by Jonathan Gibson and Mark Erngay, where you can look at a lot of the Reformation orders of service that Luther and Calvin and others used. Uh, and there's, you'll see differences. So there is flexibility, mm-hmm. like we were talking about with style. Uh, you know, there's allowances for, for different ideas and, and for mm-hmm. cultural differences, but there's also a lot of similarity in the overall structure. So it's, it's worth considering that.
0: Yeah. 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 That's helpful. Okay. So is worship. So we're thinking again of a corporate worship, the gathering together to worship. Is it something that happens from the stage? Because I, you know, oftentimes I think we think there's a worship leader. There's someone who's reading. There's someone who's praying. There's someone who's preaching. And a lot of times our eyes and our attention is focused to the stage, not to say that that's wrong, but I do think it bears asking a question, is worship something that happens from the stage or is everyone supposed to participate?
1: Yes, (laughs) it is both. (laughs) Um, I love the question. The way I put it is this, worship is like a family feast Mm -hmm. that we all gather together to share. And in one sense, the elders of the church take the lead in setting the menu and perhaps preparing the main course. Yeah, right. I don't want to stretch the analogy too much, but if we consider the main course to be the preaching of, of the word, which I see as mm-hmm. the centerpiece of the this, of this yeah, service, following absolutely. following Luther. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to denigrate the Lord's Supper. That's not to denigrate singing or anything else. But, right. Um, I I, I if all of the elements of the service are equal, then I, I would consider preaching the first among equals. That that's right. Yeah. Yep. So if that's the main course, but we all contribute, uh, we all, it's it, so the elders prepare the menu, but it's really a potluck. We're mm-hmm. all coming with the different gifts. The Lord has given us and the action is everywhere. Yes. Uh, a preacher is ministering to us from the pulpit. That's why so many churches have the pulpit front and center elevated right. because that, that communicates symbolically the importance of the word. So also why many churches have the table at, at the center because we're, mm-hmm. we're gathering around the table to share the Lord's Supper, yeah. which uh, depicts our union with Christ and one another. Um, but we're all singing. We're all opening our mouths to sing and addressing one another, Ephesians 5. We're saying amen to the prayers. I love it when churches have corporate prayers mm-hmm. uh, where we're we're all praying together. Even if one person is leading, he is leading on behalf or right. she is leading on behalf of the whole church. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture readings can be done, I, I think, by by any member of the church um, as, as a way of ministering to one mm-hmm. another. Yep. And then here's the thing is the, the service may have a formal beginning and end time, but it includes all the stuff before and after. It, it, You know, all the words of encouragement, praying for one another after a service, chatting with one another. uh, That's all part of the ministry that we give as well. And so what I say is no matter who you are, no matter what your role is, whether you have a formal role or not, you come to church, not mainly as a consumer, but as a provider. Mm. The thing is what it is because you turn up ready to serve. And amazingly, when everyone has that attitude, you also end up being served and being helped and being benefited from other people. Yep, but you right. turn up because God has given you a ministry. Mm-hmm. You you are a worshiper. That is the ministry team that he has assigned you to. Every member of the church is on the worship team. That's <laughs> you, right. Yeah. You, know, you turn
0: up ready yes, to serve. That's such a good point. Such a good point. So how can churches work to involve more of the church in worship? How, how can we encourage our members. And and I think probably case in point, people need to understand and realize that you are a part of the worship team. I think that that's such a great point to make. But apart from that, how can we encourage our churches to be involved actively in our worship?
1: Yeah, great question. There's so many things you can do. Uh, When it comes to the preaching, I I encourage churches to publish the passage that's going to be preached on in advance, so people Mm -hmm. can be reading it, reflecting on it, praying about it, and discussing it. Yeah, Discuss it with friends, discuss it in small groups before and after the, the sermon yeah. is preached. That that just unites the whole church around that text, around that preaching. This It's sort of like everyone has heard the same sermon. Everyone's studying the same text. Now, you might be studying other things too, but there's great health that comes when all your discussions are about, hey, did you hear what, how he answered that question? Mm-hmm. Did you hear how he handled that verse? Wasn't it so encouraging when when the scripture said this and that? Uh, because here's the thing preaching to an actual embodied congregation is different than preaching over the internet. That's or, right. Or to a conference gathering. These mm-hmm. are real people with real names and real struggles. And so, even just being there or emailing the pastor your questions about the text um, and letting him know how the text is hitting you, mm-hmm. because he can then. Now I, I'm sorry if pastors, I've just you know invited <laughs> hundreds of emails into your inbox, but I, as as someone who who sometimes preaches, I find that helpful.
2: Yeah, that's to right. To hear
1: from people, oh, this is a question I have about this verse. Ooh, that's good mm-hmm. to know that that wasn't clear to them. I didn't realize that. Or oh, this verse is such an encouragement. I'm going to milk that. Or this person's mm-hmm. going through a situation. So it's just all the texture of everyday life coming into yeah. the preaching. But it's yeah. other things too. It's not just the preaching. It's um, encouraging people to pray for other members of the church throughout the week. And then when you turn up and you've been praying for someone and you're singing all together, but you see that person in the back and they're discouraged. You know, oh, I've been praying for her because I know what mm-hmm. she's going through and she's having a hard time singing. Yeah. Great is thy faithfulness right now. I'm going to speak to her after I'm going to pr- keep praying for her throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think encouraging the church to know the songs well Yeah. So if you can do a Spotify master playlist of all the songs we sing, and then Mm. you can do a weekly, my church does a weekly playlist. So here's the songs. Oh, that's awesome. Guess what? We listen to that during, while we're making breakfast on a Sunday. And so then when we come to church, if there were new songs, I know them better. Yeah. I can sing them more enthusiastically. I can express more of the emotion. I can sing them louder. And if everyone's doing that, that song has is going to be more encouraging to all the other people who are there mm-hmm. listening to it. Yeah. So come prepared to sing. I mean, I uh, I think it's encur- – I don't always take this advice. I should do a better job of, of taking my own medicine here. But mm. getting a good night's sleep on a Saturday and a big breakfast on a Sunday, it's practical things <laughs> like this. And then you turn right. up ready to minister. Mm-hmm. And ready, ready to serve. Anyway, there, I could yep. go on, but those are some suggestions.
0: Yeah, no, those are those are really helpful, and I think easily implementable. There are things that don't require major change. I mean, there are things you can literally do this Sunday if you want to do them. So, thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, so how might you encourage churches who feel like they don't have the means to have a great worship service? And the reason I say that, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is you can get on the internet. Um, you know, I'm a pastor, and so my Facebook feed a lot of times will include things like a man standing in front of a soundboard with 15 steps for having better worship. And so I think that this really is kind of a challenge that we face as pastors in thinking, okay, do we have good worship? Do we have this? We 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 need these things. So how would you encourage churches who just feel like they don't have great worship? Uh, that's a
1: great question, Tyler. Of course, the theological foundation is the quality of our worship has much more to do with the condition of our hearts. Amen. Than the level of production of the, of the music. Yeah, that's uh, right. So is it possible to have false worship? Yes. It is possible to worship false gods, to have false teaching. Uh, so w- you, sure. You know, if if you're teaching the wrong things, if you're singing the wrong things, that is false worship. Is it possible to have true worship that is unhealthy? Yes, I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Even if everything said in the service is true, if it's not wise, if it's not well thought through, if, if the songs m- may say true things, but they're not teaching very much of substance about the Lord. Sure, you know, it, it, that might be an example of unhealthy worship. But... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: the Holy Spirit has given us all that we need to honor Him. He's given us His Word. He's given us gifts. We see in Ephesians four of pastors and teachers and evangelists. Um, He's given us baptism and the the Lord's Supper. So that means that whether your budget for your music team or your sound system is a hundred bucks or a million bucks, it doesn't on one level theologically matter.
2: Yeah. Now, of course.
1: We want to be wise. Yeah. We want to arrange the music well. Mm-hmm. And we want to use technology and sound systems well to the glory mm-hmm. of God to enhance and support the congregation's involvement.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: so what I would say is don't worry too much about having slick production. Um, if all you have is a piano or a guitar, encourage your pianist and guitarist to play with excellence. Mm. I do not think sloppiness honors the Lord. But excellence for them, which may not be the same as what you hear on a YouTube video of some mm-hmm. "quote unquote" worship ministry, right? You know, right. Wh- whoever the Lord has given you that can accompany the singing. First off, we don't need musical accompaniment; it can help a lot. But you can just sing, sing unto the Lord. Yep, sing a cappella. Uh, again, if you're going to do that, it helps to have someone whom the Lord has blessed with a good voice to lead. Even <laughs> That's if true. you don't have that, yep. the Lord can still be pleased with our worship. Uh, mm-hmm. He is pleased with our worship, not because of how slick it is or how professional it is, but because we offer it in and through Christ. That's the right. Perfect worshiper. Yeah. So once you understand union with Christ and that's what makes our worship acceptable, that's so freeing. Mm-hmm. And then sure, learn everything you can. If your soundboard is old and doesn't work that great, take it a class at the community college and learn how to use it to the best of your ability mm-hmm. so that it's not distracting. Yeah. so that you can equip your church to sing better. Mm-hmm. If you've got one guy who's 18 years old, who's a strong believer, but not a great guitar player, can you afford 500 bucks out of the church's budget to get him 10 lessons? Give him 10 lessons, pay for it from the church's budget so that when he gets up, he can support the singing. Be- sure, there are things, really simple things you can do yeah. uh, that are beneficial, but are not strictly necessary. Uh, but you know, I, I also think you can. It is legitimate if you feel like the singing in your church is weak to pray that the Lord would make it better and to find simple, affordable, practical yep. ways of helping and equipping your church to sing right. more and more. And honestly, dropping the instruments out is one of the best ways to do that. Just so that yeah, people can go. hear one another's voices. Yep. Uh, now that sounds better if you sing harmony parts. Uh, so if you can <laughs> teach them some harmony parts in some way, that'll it'll, it'll work better.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, but you know, whoever's leading the singing. I think so here oh, sorry, I'm giving a long answer. No, this is helpful. You've asked me about something good. I'm passionate about. Two so two very practical things. Number one, if the person leading leads in an inviting way, mm. which means they must embrace the ministry of awkwardness.
0: Yeah. yeah. By
1: which I mean if you smile real big and take an obvious breath before <laughs> you want everyone to start singing with you. So you're, maybe you're playing the guitar and you're, you're doing an introduction and then you're about to sing Come Thou Fount and you go, ah, Come Thou Fount. You know, you just make it so obvious. Everybody I want to sees. sing right now. This yes. is our moment. <laughs> this is our moment. It just helps people sing with confidence. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. Uh,
1: now, I'm, not, I'm being slight, slightly hyperbolic in the way I'm mm-hmm. saying that, but it's, that's much better than sort of looking down, looking at a music stand, right. not being that confident and just hoping people will get it. You have to lead them. Yes, It's good to step out boldly and lead people with a big smile. Mm. Second thing, across denominations, across musical styles, uh, talking about Keith Getty, this is something he and I have discussed a lot. Keith has had the opportunity to visit so many different churches around the world. And his big observation, which I would agree with, is the churches where the senior pastor loves to sing. And himself sings loudly. Yeah. And he's not looking at his sermon notes during yep. the singing. Yeah. But he's excited. He is amped up. Even if he doesn't have a great voice, he sings loud. Those are the churches that sing. Mm. Senior pastors gotta lead by example. First Peter 5, set an example for the flock.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: Uh, and so that may be the most practical thing, is the pastor getting pumped. Up about mm-hmm. congregational singing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read a book. Uh, it was in college. It was, I, I think, it was called "Preaching as Worship." And uh, the the author was just kind of saying, as a as a pastor, I feel like the pastor is actually the lead worshipper. Sure. So you often think, you know, okay, well, here's the the worship leader. Well, this man was saying, well, no, actually you know, kind of to your point, I think it's the pastor, you know, the worship leader is the one who's giving people their cues. He's the one that, who is actually leading them, but people will learn to mimic their pastor.
1: Absolutely. he He's the one who by virtue of his teaching authority accrues the most trust in the mm-hmm. congregation. And therefore his example is, is understandably the weightiest example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I say Jesus is the chief worship leader. Actually, Hebrews 2 cites a psalm saying that Jesus sings in the midst of the congregation. Yeah, right, right. Uh, So Jesus is the true worship leader, and it's great to have someone who is a confident song leader, Mm -hmm. but the the pastor, and by extension, the other elders, are probably the chief role models or examples of worshipers in the congregation.
0: Yeah, there you go. No, it's really important. I think even something as simple as, you know, do, you, do you just have your hands in your pockets the whole time? Be in this moment, right? You're yes. not standing in line waiting for something. <laughs> worship the Lord. Now, this is a point for all of us. And again, back to why corporate worship is so important. The way in which you worship is ministering to someone. Amen. And it could be in a beneficial way or potentially in a negative way. And I think we all need to be aware of of the way we hold ourselves, the way we worship. Quite frankly, I think we're responsible for that.
1: Agree. And not primarily because we're putting on a show for others. That's right. We're, we're, because we're called to be fake. We're not. That's right. Yep. But as you said, it's a ministry. And so that means my body language, my eye contact, my facial expression. Yep. I shouldn't be doing these things uh, insincerely. Hopefully, the, the words of the songs are generating a sincere response That's in right. my heart. But I got to remember, it's not just a personal portal of praise between me and God. right. I'm also called to be encouraging the other people here in in the way I sing. So can you close your eyes? Sure, I I think you can while you sing. It's a form of prayer. But you can also close your eyes while you pray and sing at home. So while you sing in church, you have an opportunity to open your eyes so that you can see other people and they can see Yeah.
0: Yep. Amen. Amen. Okay, so with the final question here, what are some hindrances to healthy biblical worship?
1: Our sin and pride uh, c- going along with what we've been talking about, you know the the more self-centered I am and the more concerned I am with my own comfort mm-hmm. my own security, the less engaged I'll be with corporate worship for the good of others yeah um, I do think speaking more about cultural trends, I'm concerned about our entertainment age. I think so many of us, it's the water we drink, we've been conditioned to think that transcendence is something that sort of washes over us from a a concert stage or from an amazing film. Mm -hmm. Netflix, we have it in, in our pockets, we have it in our homes. Uh, that this is these are the sort of mountaintop experiences that make us feel more human yeah right uh, that give us a sense of connection with the spiritual you know our our, our, our culture has no problem with spirituality yeah that's right um, they have a problem with the exclusivity of Jesus mm-hmm. they have a problem with that spirituality being defined in mm-hmm. a creedal or historic way yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think when when we walk, into a worship service, we're carrying all those assumptions about what is really powerful and what is really moving. Uh, and if we're not careful, what that means is that we can be looking for the same kind of "quote unquote" transcendence we get from entertainment.
0: Yeah, that's
1: yeah. Because we have access to a, a ma- and it's it's a, it's a blessing. The, the kinds of beautiful films we can watch, the sorts of amazing music that's at, the, at, our, at our earbuds any moment of any day—what a gift to live in the time that we live in! Because mm-hmm. I want to enjoy all of, all of this media to the glory of God. I, right. I can go to all these museums and see amazing art. There's nothing wrong with that, but when we come to church, we will experience the transcendence and the imminence of God. But it may not be through a Hollywood-style production. Yep, it may more likely be through the fact that I'm singing A Mighty Fortress Is My God. Maybe it's not my favorite style of music. And next to me is an African-American grandmother who's 50 years older than me. And maybe it's not her favorite song either. And maybe we don't have much in common, but we sing her the same song. It's not really either of our favorite song, but we realize what we have in common is Christ. Right. that's transcendent. Yes. That's yes. a beautiful thing. Or I'm I really realize I'm eating some stale bread and drinking some grape juice <laughs> with a bunch of people who are all clinging to the same Jesus. Even though maybe we have different approaches to politics or to COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's a beautiful you know wow, we're all still taking the same Lord's Supper because mm-hmm. Jesus has risen from the grave. Right.
0: right. Uh
1: so did I have as an amazing an entertainment experience as I did at the concert on Saturday night? No. But was I being ministered to in the way that God designed?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But amen, we
1: have to have an appetite for that. And I fear that uh, church, the the ordinary means of grace that we were talking about earlier, preaching right. the word, singing the word, the Lord's supper just seemed too ordinary
0: to, yep, to that's so right. many
1: people. Yep. Um, and, and since I brought up all these different cultural divides, I, I do think division is, is a danger as well. Um, uh, that we would become so swept up in the controversies of the day mm-hmm. uh just as the romans the christians at rome were were in danger of being swept up by issues of meat sacrifice to idols yep. and holy days these were significant things and you know they thought it was spiritually dangerous for you to be eating meat sacrificed to idols right right uh this the, the, just as in, in our day people think it's spiritually dangerous for you to vote for this candidate or <laughs> take this view on masks yep. or vaccines yep. um and that's this is the power of the gospel that sh- things that divide that divide our culture will not divide us in the body of Christ right yep. and so worship sh- should be something that promotes our unity and safeguards our unity uh rather than becoming uh hindered by all these worldly divisions that I think can be so tempting. Yeah yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, in, and in a real sense, it's kind of a picture even for us now in the moment to see a dividing wall of hostility being broken down in yes. the way that we gather, in the way that we worship, the elements of the worship. It's important and it's beautiful. And it's a reminder that the things we see, you know, maybe a Monday through Saturday, they're they are not lasting. Right. They're not lasting. And uh, and it's it's good to be with the Lord's people and to do what the Lord's people do together which
1: by the way is a foretaste of eternity that's it it is a taste of what we will be doing in the new creation Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: and so every week when we gather it is a dress rehearsal for eternal corporate worship that's right
0: that's right. Amen. Amen. Well, Matt, I have uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much, brother. You're just you're very sharp, and I just appreciate not only your sharpness but your desire and your passion to see churches worship the Lord in spirit and truth and according to God's word. And so, thank you for helping us to do that with the moments that we've had together.
1: Thanks, Tyler. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Love what you're doing with the podcast. Keep it up, brother. Great to be here.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.